Ladies, gentlemen, and otherwise, I would like to welcome you to How Not to Start a Damn Brewery, the podcast. I am your host, Kelly KFM Meyer, and I consider myself lucky that any of you are even here. In January 2020, I began writing a book outlining all the gory mistakes that I had made since my wife and I founded our brewery eight years earlier. The second edition of that book is at 57,000 words and available on Amazon, both in Kindle and paperback formats. Please check it out, pick it up, read it, share it with a friend. The show has the same name as that book simply because my goal here is to help my guests to experience the same catharsis I did after laying my story out in public, and because I know that the lessons I wrote about were only the tip of an enormous iceberg. If you like the show, please remember to subscribe, like, write a review, share with a friend. Trust me, it all really helps. In this podcast, I will interview people in and around the beer business to uncover the mistakes, the pitfalls, and the hardships that all of us poor souls in the brewing industry have had the misfortune to experience. My guests will autopsy dead and dying breweries, break down the science of brewing, and dissect the art of marketing. I'll talk to distributors, retailers, beer writers, even a fan or two. Hell, I'll shove a mic in front of anyone I think can make you better in your business. This is open and honest conversation packed with emotion and sincerity, and hopefully, a little bit of fucking vulgarity. I want to thank you for joining my guests and I on this journey, and I truly hope together that we are able to teach you and your loved ones how not to start a damn brewery. So today my guest is Chad Mitchell from Mitch Tate Beverages. You'll recognize the name from episode 16, where he talked about Beervana International, which is his day job, uh, working for a distribution house in three different countries in Southeast Asia. And so he also started a contract brewing project where he partners up with a local Asian brewery and makes his mixtape beverage beers there. And uh, it's a super interesting story. And unfortunately, he was stuck in America at the time uh, because of COVID. Lucky for us, he got a chance to talk to us about the struggles he's faced and what's going on in his business, why he chose to do what he did. And I, I just think it's a super interesting business and it warranted an episode of its own. So with no further ado, this is that episode. All right, Chad, thank you for pouring that beer for me. That was actually, uh, is actually enjoyable quite a bit. I'm sharing this with the audience. Check it out. Have you seen it, guys? No. <laughs> oh, smell it. It's amazing. So we're here now to talk about your brewery, mm-hmm. mixtape, beverage. Tell drinks. me about it. Like, whatever, right? Beverage or drinks or whatever you find online. So what was the idea? What was the inspiration? When was it founded? Uh, is it all you? Is it like some other guy who was like a rich asshole from Indonesia? Like, <laughs> what, how did you, how did this happen? Um, so I got into brewing about 11, 12 years ago. I was really into it because I wanted to make whiskey. I thought, if I make a good beer, I'm going to distill it down to whiskey and make whiskey. So I've been brewing beer for a long time, homebrewing, yada, yada, yada. The reason I met Birvana is because I was homebrewing in Phuket, like I mentioned earlier. I moved to Vietnam, and I realized there was an opportunity to actually do what I wanted to do, which is make beer. And I realized I have a distribution company. Where I can put my beer on the trucks, and it can be everywhere. So that's pretty rad. Also, Birvana at the time was like, hey, let's start distributing local beers. What beers are out there? And there wasn't a lot of selection. There's a few. I was like, well, what if I start making my own beer? And also, we started making our own products, the brewing project, yada, yada. Look it up online. Going there. As a, as a home brewer and as a perfectionist, as an artist, I realized, like, I'm never going to be happy with my own beer. And at some point, you have to just shit or get off the pot. You know, you have to, like, my wife has always been like, Chad, this beer's good. Let it go. And I was like, no, it's not good enough. She's Can't like, be well, perfect, right? Cannot. But I was like, you have to be okay with good enough, you know? Like, which is hard. I'm sure you know this. Like, Especially as an artist. <laughs> like, yeah. well, what we talked about this earlier, I have the same problem. Like, I cannot drink my beer on the weekends because 
I'm not off the clock if I do. And right. No matter how good it is, I'm enjoying it. But I'm also like, I wonder what would happen. So this three pounds per gallon of raspberries to beer was fucking tits. <laughs> but what if it was three and a half? Yeah, like what? Exactly. I wonder. What if it was two and a half? I wonder if that would bring the beer out more or the oak. I just, it, it, I can't get off the clock, and so I can't right. drink it at home. At some point, you have to just be like, bite the bullet and go. You have to be like, hey, I'm gonna. I was just to everybody who ever has an idea about starting a business. At some point, like, stop thinking about it and just do it. You're probably gonna fuck up. Probably fell. You're probably not gonna know how to do it. Like, I mean, come on. That's the whole point of this podcast and the point of your book is like, yeah. how not to do things. Like. I have learned how not to do things so many times, <laughs> but the only reason, you, the only way you can learn how to do not, how not to do things is by doing them. If somebody had to go in where no one was at, like exactly. that was sort of so the point. Yeah. T- take the risk, go, you know, my wife told me, so Birvana had been going pretty well. I was starting Birvana Vietnam. At this point I had done Thailand regional Indonesia was going good. And we took on a new investment. So I said, let's go to Vietnam. And my wife said, okay, we were living in Phuket, living the dream doing the business. I moved to Bangkok for Birvana. She's like, okay, move again this time. If we're going to move to Ho Chi Minh city, which I had been spending about two years setting up the business there. She's like, I want you to start your own thing. She's like, you've been talking about it for so long. I want you to do your own thing. Like I won't move there with you unless you do it. And I was like, <laughs> all right. Like that was the, the final get off the pot. Like, let's do it. You know? So now you have to. All yeah. right. So I, I made a beer. I've been brewing this recipe for a little bit and I've been brewing a lot of beers. This beer called, uh, uh, or I didn't have a name for it at that point, but I was like, I was brewing it and like, I moved to Vietnam and she's like, okay, it's time to start the business. And so I, was, I started this beer, I brewed this beer, it's called, uh, now it's called Peaches and Cream. The first time I brewed it, it smelled like peaches and it was like a creamy head. Like, and I, I realized all my beers I want to name after music because music is as, as imperfect of an art as beer. I was like, that's the inspiration for my brewery. I was like, I want to do something with music. The idea that like, we're consistently try- innovating, trying new things, and we're having fun, and we're also making something that re- resonates with people. So, uh, yeah, I moved to Vietnam. I launched mix- Mixtape with Peaches and Cream beer. What, how is Peaches and Cream made? Is, is, are there any peaches or are there any cream in that beer? No. Now my team hates me because, like, whenever we sell that beer, they're like, so... I, I can see why. All right, so <laughs> the first time I made it, I was trying to make a... I've never made a hazy IPA. I was kind of against them for a long time. I was like, ugh, hype beers. And then I realized that, you know, any style can be made well. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want any adjuncts. I want to do something with hops, malt, yeast, and water. And I want to do it well. I want to create a flavor profile that resonates with people and, like, tastes really good, smells really good. But I don't want to use any adjuncts. So the, the recipe had no peaches, no cream in it. All right. So what was it? What was it? So when I was brewing the beer... I was trying to make a beer that was super juicy. I want it super juicy and super tropical. And I was looking at a couple of different hops. I was like, I love citra. So I wanted like a really fruity, tropical aroma. And then I was like, well, I don't want it to be bitter. I don't want it too bitter. I want it to be easy drinkable. And then like when I made it the first time, it came out of the tap. I remember like I fermented it. Everything's fine. I, I carbonated it. I put it on the tap and I poured it out. It was Thanksgiving of about a year and a half ago, right before COVID, 2019. My friends coming over. I put it on tap. I poured it out, and I poured it into a glass and got a bowl-shaped glass. And it came out looking like a peach, and it smelled like peaches. It smelled like peach gummy rings. You ever go to the gas station and you get those peach gummy rings that are like the weird, like orange and yellow peach and gummy it was rings? Just citra. Just it. one other hot. Okay, you can keep a secret. That's no, a, that's... it's not a secret. Actually, I hate that. I really don't like brewers who try to hide their recipe. I'm like, 
Uh, you mean malt hop season water? Like, <laughs> it's all there. So I use a little Perla, a little Perla in the boil, a little tiny bit. Just that kinda, would make peaches. That's, that's unique and interesting. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I was shocked because I was, I was trying to go for more uh, hazy IPA that's more tropical. And the first time I poured it, it was like, wow, it smells like peaches. And everybody gave it was like, dude, it smells like peaches. And the foam was like, looked like cream. I was like, and immediately the song by Beck, Peaches and Cream, came on in my head. I was like, peaches and cream, gotta make the girls. Oh, man, that song is great. I was like, that's the name of the beer. I didn't realize that everyone literally would think that there were peaches and cream in there because hype beers, like, they actually put the Well, marketing, like, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, anyways, so I was like, well, that's, that's the beer I'm going to launch my brewery with. And so I took it to a big brewery, and he's like, hey, man, I really, I took a, I took a, some of my small batch to this big brewery. Say, hey, man, I want to contract brew this beer at your brewery. Taste it. He's like, I love this beer. He's at Vietnam. He's like, the Vietnamese guy. He's like, hey, man, my brewery is the best brewery I've ever seen in Vietnam. He's like, I contract brew. He's like, I love what you're doing. I love everything about what you're thinking about. He's like, nobody's doing this. Everybody's doing boring beer. He's like, this is really unique. Because I don't, I don't like hazy either, but this is like, not really hazy. It's like a, juicy ipa he's like but also i get it there's peaches and cream and so he produced it and it's been a pretty big seller since so so then you have uh three other beers too that you've made two others okay. well there's one of those two we do a lot of small batch so we did black is beautiful um we did the weathered sold one did you really <laughs> yeah did you call micros and get the recipe before you did that put it up online i subscribed and i did all that and i've been trying to reach out to them since i've been here because i want to connect with them because like we're the only brewery in asia to do it Really? The only yeah. one? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That was that was a whole other story. So, rewind a bit there. I haven't finished this. So, like, uh, <laughs> the one rule of mixtape is, the reason I named the brewery mixtape is, like, if you're back in the 80s, 90s, whatever, a mixtape was a love letter to your friends of, like, really good mm-hmm. shit. Like, so that's my point. It's, like, I want to make beer that appeals to everybody, but also I want to, like, to be a curated selection of hits. Yeah, like you know a, I mean? it needs to represent you and like what you believe exactly. in and agree with or whatever. Yeah, and but and so like from that point on, I was like, you know what? Every beer has to be named after music. Something to do with music. Something to do. It doesn't have to be a name of a song. It could be a lyric. It could be a it could be called a microphone stand. I don't care. It has something to do with music because music is as versatile as beer can be. What is clover? Oh, you mean Molly? <laughs> Molly. I'm sorry. So, yes. All right. So pieces of cream is our flagship. So that beer is selling really well. So I was like, okay, time to do more can't rest on one let's do another beer so i was like what why do one let's do two i was working on two recipes at a time uh, a lot of the experience of working with beer vana is realizing what people like and what people don't like i was like i want to introduce a beer that's like a whole garden but more juicy and more experimental like the like the chain breaker thing we talked about yeah so the second recipe I wrote was called Cal- cali sun or california sun like the ramon song headed out west where i belong anyways um but I want to make a juicy, juicy pillow that made you think of like California. I'm not a Raheinska boat guy at all. <laughs> like I don't give a fuck about rules. But well, you're not in Germany, right? It doesn't really no, matter. No, exactly. I actually hate the Raheinska boat. By the way, fuck that shit. I'm sorry, German brewers. Fuck you. Well, it's a rule. It's like limitation, right? So, so at dumb. some point, it's an- antithetical to the whole idea of being an artist, right? I mean, I get why it became a rule. It was trying to preserve purity of beer. But I'm sorry, purity of anything. Like, come on. Actually, it was a How, tax rule, but yeah. 100% true, yes. But it was disguised as a purity rule. Right. The thing that bothers me about that is like, you can make great beer with a lot of ingredients, but I also get like, what if you can do great beer with minimal ingredients? Like, all of our beers so far have been actually Rahanskaba, which unintentionally, I just really want to make good beer and I want to try to do flavors without actually adding flavors. So easy to like, 
throw adjunct in, throw peaches in, throw lactose. Lactose. Well, lactose is still. Is it? Isn't that Ranskabut? No, it's not. Really? Okay, no. so Molly's not Ranskabut. All right. Uh, it's not. Lactose this is made by cows. Going off the rails, it's though, made right? by cows, dude. This podcast is going off the rails. <laughs> it was podcast was never on the rails. All by right, the let's way. go back. All right, so so the second beer is um, that I made was California Sun, which is like a juicy pellow, which is like I tried to make a really chewy, juicy pellow that you could drink in the hot Vietnamese sun. Mm. But I wanted to like really accentuate the orange without actually adding orange to it because like super easy to add orange peel to things. I didn't want to use that. I wanted to use orangey hops. So I used Mandarin in Bavaria, try to like accentuate it. They did pretty well. You have to um, use a lot of those. They don't go very far. They don't. That's one thing I learned. I put a lot in. Yeah, those and drops. And the aroma was like, yeah. I, was, I actually am super disappointed by that beer, but it sold really well because people were like, oh my God. All the people who like pizza and cream were like, dude, this is not pizza and cream. I'm like, no, it's not. But all the people who didn't like pizza and cream loved it. So I, I, I grabbed a whole other piece of the market. So I got two markets now. Yeah. And then I introduced the worst thing you could possibly introduce in Asia. A stout. A dark beer? Yeah, but I... I a low I was, alcohol dark beer. Well, I was approached by a, a Scottish restaurant. They wanted to have... Uh, I, <laughs> so I'm in America. To take that resort. We don't have any Scottish restaurants. What What do they serve there? Like haggis or some shit? Haggis. Haggis. <laughs> and Scotch quail eggs. Uh, but they were like, hey, we know... We want like a... We're serving scotch whiskey. We're serving, you know, we're serving all these different like boozy drinks. Can you do a beer for us? You know, small batch. I was like, cool. How much you want? Like hundred liters, thousand liters, five. Like how much you want? Like can you do like Irish whiskey? I was like, I thought you were a Scottish bar. Like, hmm. well, you know, same same. I was like, all right, fine. You want an Irish whiskey beer? All right, let me think about that. So I took it back to the drawing board. I was like, okay, I want to do this, but I don't want to throw chocolate. In. I don't throw coffee in. How can I make this beer? super light super enjoyable in asia where it's really hot but also had those elements of coffee milk you know like like yeah. Irish whiskey so i spent a long time and i made it and it came out really well so i made that beer my third beer which is called molly because you like ecstasy a lot no ecstasy is terrible <laughs> it's a horrible drug <laughs> no um so molly is molly malone by the dubliners but i did shorten it to molly because i've been told by a lot of people i'm the right amount of deviant Right amount of deviousness. Really? I, I'm a little bit devious. So peaches and cream? My daughter is like, oh, yeah, look at the sticker. It has a peach with, like, whipped cream on top. What? 6.9% alcohol. Six, yeah. I, I, why would anyone think anything's wrong with that at all? Well, yeah. Why would you? Like, but that's that's fun. It's fun the marketing, right? So, like, California Sun is pretty innocent. Molly? Okay, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty devious. Yeah. But I love... So, we're going to... When we open the tap room in Thailand... In Vietnam, eventually... We're going to sell it as uh, by the gram. No, nice. <laughs> you couldn't do that in the United States because no one what the fuck that meant. Like, they'd be like, wait, okay, is it, ounce. do I put it under my tongue or what do I do? I don't even know. But yeah. But it's so all the beers are very, not perfectionist, but I, I do actually do give a shit. Like, I really want to make good beer. You know, I, actually, <laughs> actually. <laughs> oh, my God. We're going off the rails hard. <laughs> so, uh, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I looked online. It looked like you guys make everything in bottles. So um, I would love to put things in cans. Unfortunately, the brewery that we're contract brewing at, so we don't have brewery yet. We hope to build that soon. We're going to build a tap room and a brew pub, everything else. Um, so we're contract brewing. So unfortunately, cans are hard. There's not very, a lot of canning lines in Asia unless you go to big, big batches. We're doing like massive volume. Sure. So 
we had to do bottles, which is hard, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, but so uh, obviously you're the distributor as well. Yeah. So you're the, su- the supplier and the distributor, but it ha- does not having the cans affect the volume, like, or are you still selling it? And obviously the last actually year again, it's kind of come back to show. like because it's weird because we sp- put so much time into cans and like being like, hey, the cans are better. It is a little bit hard sometimes to be like, hey, like, yeah, we have bottles, but also it's not hard because people generally except still the general market still accepts bottles are better so yeah it's okay <laughs> so yeah we, we've actually dealt with that a little bit but, but there's some limitations where you, you don't sell as much product because the cans can stack in a way that yeah. doubles doubles the amount of sales you make per drop essentially because they can be on top of one another and our Again, bottles can't it's stack. different though in asia because we're mostly on-prem and you do a lot of singles right yeah yeah exactly. we we have a lot of packs here, so that's a big difference. Yeah, packs are not an issue in Asia <laughs> yet. So that's nice. I I, uh, I missed that. I, I wish I could experience yeah. that. So, do you ride motorcycles? Because if you do, you want the sickest gear on the planet. And SimpsonMotorcycleHelmets.com is the site for you. Break free from the pack with your kick-ass style and design that is as subtle as a sucker punch. When you're out on the open road, don't let anyone confuse you with your grandpa. Project an attitude that's all your own. With their signature style and performance, Simpson sets the standard of looking cool while providing superior comfort and protection. Authenticity counts, and there are many helmet brands out there, but there is only one Simpson. You ride a killer bike, don't you? Why settle for a boring helmet? Pick your poison at SimpsonMotorcycleHelmets.com. Badass riders don't settle for anything less. See for yourself on Instagram at Simpson underscore motorcycle underscore helmets. Thanks for riding with us. We'll see you out there. Mistake seven in my book was uh, trust distributor to sell your beer. And so <laughs> what you'll find if you listen to the majority of my podcast, and, and I'll be honest, this was not my goal at all, but it, obviously there is a distinct disconnect between supplier and distributor yeah um as the owner of the brewery and and the distributor of the product you have a little bit different uh, situation but it's got to be a little bit different when you deal with you know aaron in indonesia and brian and where i forget where he's at but but so are they selling as much as you are or uh, is there an issue where well both them both those countries are more developed yeah there are vietnam is our third country so we're less developed there selling a lot more there (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh thailand is crazy so this last year with covid like uh they opened up for a moment we were selling almost as much as we were before covid so it's crazy that was really cool it's hard for me because like i i hear what you're saying about distributors in america and it's so different than us and i are we doing something wrong <laughs> like maybe we should be more difficult as a distributor you know as a supplier now it's interesting a uh, different perspective now that i've gone to the supplier side and making beer and selling it to the distributor, even though it's me and me and us. Whoa, hold on. Let's slow down. Me and me. Okay, I got you. Go I'm making the beer. I'm selling it to myself at Beervana. But we had a big talk about that, actually. It's like, hey, Chad, you're starting mixtape. Are you? Thailand and Indonesia have not sold mixtape. It's like we're very, we, our ethics are high. We will never sell unless it makes sense. Looking at it from both sides, I would really have a hard time dealing with the distributors that you've talked about in in America. Like I would like, it's weird to me to see the way they approach it. Cause like they're not passionate. They're not focused on the brands. They're focused on like a wide portfolio. Like, like 
what they can offer to their clients. It's more numbers based for sure. Exactly. And I think there needs to be a more, what I've seen in the States is like, I'm surprised not more distributors rising up and be like, oh my God, there's more opportunity to like come in underneath these guys and like, hey, taste better beer. <laughs> no. Yeah. And I, I definitely don't want to be the guy that is like, anyways, my, my point being, I don't want to be the harbinger of something to come, but yeah. I feel like in the United States, what I have seen is that these guys have wanted to do that and then they get their ass kicked. Yeah. And so well, it's, it's not, hard. Yeah, it's not a question so, of like So did brewers passion. back in the day, right? I mean, like, look at it. Like, all the original brewers, like, they fought against the big guys. That was the point, right? We were right. all going to, like, arm in arm against AB and Bev and, like, you know, go to battle. And, and some of us would die, but overall, the overall then, market, would, the, we would dominate. But, but then Ab and Bev started offering big buyouts to some of you and, like, yeah. shit. Like, well, I'm selling out. And then yeah. the competition started because, like, it's like like bidding for that. Like, oh, please, please buy me. <laughs> Now, which which makes it hard because like there's a lot yeah. of people that just can't say no at that point, and yeah. and nor should they. I don't mean that they should. That's not my intention. But I don't think there's anything wrong with selling out because um, we're all we're doing that every day. Like every day of our life, like we're working hard for whatever profit we receive and pay for our bills and take care of our families. That's fine. Uh, I think the problem is like selling out our soul easily to like Abin Bev. Fuck Bev. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> They are kind of the worst. I mean, yeah, they, they are the worst. I have a huge beef against them. Even in Puget, one of the uh, the kids of Avon Bev lived in Puget. He is a douchebag. <laughs> like, he is like the epitome. He doesn't even know what's going on with this company. He's like, I serve on the board, but I'm a rich kid. He is the worst. I'm like, they don't give a fuck about and the they product. just still do revenue and, like, they're killing it. They're with just, sales. like, winning numbers. They just want money. Yeah. The more money they put in their pocket, buy their super yachts. I'm like, ugh. I mean, more power to them, whatever. <laughs> Which, again, I think is the, the point of when we started this whole crappier movement, we were, we thought we were going to kind of overturn that yeah. boat. And I don't think that we have. So I, I think there was a disruption. I mean, like, you look at it like, so when it started like 2% of, I mean, when it got 2%, Adam Bev got concerned. At 20%, now they're just like disrupting us now. They're coming back around. So And then, unfortunately, I think they're winning. Like, that we're not growing again. I'm kind of scared that's... about that, actually. I'm kind of mm-hmm. concerned about the future of that. It's like, I mean, look at indie music. So I, I always compare it back to music. I mean, obviously, the mixtapes, like, it's all about music for me. Like, I love music. I'm not an artist in that way. But I'm like, I'm a writer. Um, but, like, I look at it as like that. It's like, it's a consistent bo- battle. You got to keep fighting. It's never going to end. There's yeah. always going to be big labels versus small labels. Independent artists versus big artists. Like, it's always going to keep going. I think beer has become that now. It's like beer is going to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It's a wave. For a while. Yeah. And it's never going to end. Like, and they're always going to win. They're always going to get like 80% of the market. 100%. Yeah. 80%, 100%. So I think the hope was that we would be able to kind of take over like a, a certain amount of taps at, at bars yeah. and a certain amount of like uh, products at retail. Yeah. And and we did. I think there was a there was a movement there. And and I apologize, we're not trying to get off the subject of mixtape. No, we um, we also been drinking a lot of beers, so we're true. We're so traveling. <laughs> but I think that I think that we did do that and I think it's coming back unfortunately. And so like you're seeing a lot of the grocery stores that are kind of figuring out that you know that we're not hitting the hurdle rate with certain products yeah. and so we're just taking out formats, we're taking out certain styles and it's just bombers. Yeah, and it's it I I think there's a I don't know, like a reconciliation or whatever you want to call it, but I think that we are in a deep shit for the next 24 yeah. months and we'll see what happens and who emerges after. But I think the key is like keep, man, oh, there's no silver bullet, but like 
stay true, stay true to your crafts, stay true, stay true to your guns, you know, like keep doing what you're doing. Like, yeah. why not? <laughs> Cause like make good beer. Well, make part of product. that is like they, we pivoted to selling on site. And I think it's a big important yeah. part and we have to do that. But there comes a point where even that there's so much competition that at some point, why are they going to your bar versus the other bar versus the other brewery? Like, it's, there's, there's a lot of that that's, going on. So that's the biggest thing that bothers me about uh, craft beer in Southeast Asia. Like even mixtape. So taking back to mixtape and like where it's you know over there is like, what, we're all competing against each other instead of realizing that like there's no reason to compete against each other. We yeah. should be competing against the big guys. Like unify and defeat them. <laughs> D- yeah, divide them and conquer. Don't exactly. divide ourselves. Don't divide ourselves. Like I see that a lot in Asia. I say that's the biggest thing about craft beer in Southeast Asia is like there's a lot of internal fighting and I'm like, you guys, it's like, it's like bickering inside the family. I'm like, hold up. We're a family. Like, let's yeah. fight the people outside of us. Like, there's no reason to fight here. Like we can bicker all we want, but like, let's remember the big enemy is outside, not us. You know, like at the end of the day, it's like, we're dividing halves of halves of halves. Like those guys are taking the pie. They don't you know? even care. Like they don't even care. The whole fight super, almost doesn't even they're matter. They're super happy to see us fighting each other and like, stop doing that. Be yeah. friends, you know? Even if you don't like the people's beer, like, encourage them. Continue to, like, drink their beer. Like, come to each other's events. Like, I love that about... Um, Spread the word. The craft beer scene is, like, generally is always about, like, supporting each other. Like, you go to each other's events. Like, back in the day in Northern California, like, every time there was a, a beer, craft beer event, every single craft beer person came to that event. It doesn't matter how small or big it was. It was, like, every brewer, every, like, everybody in the industry was there. Even in Southeast Asia, same thing happened in the beginning. Now it's starting to get fragmented. Like, stop. Like, support each other. Show up. Well, it's part of why we What's did the worst it. What's the thing happening? You get drunk? <laughs> we were all fans, and we all wanted to, like, you know, exactly. experience it. Yeah. Exactly. <sighs> Things right, change. <laughs> Fucking business. I hate business. Oh, but it's so awesome, too. All right. So, mistake nine in my all book right. was give every fuck you have about online beer reviews. So, I don't, I don't know your area. So, in a... Uh, you know the areas you do business in how much does untapped beer advocate and rate beer actually matter in each of our three markets differently really i mean it matters it matters i mean untapped isn't really a thing in vietnam and really? it's just a small thing thailand a bit more of a thing because more developed right i should move to vietnam i hate untapped i, I want <laughs> i want them to really all, oh i mean i, I read every review everyone i'm like god oh, damn it <laughs> but also i'm like eh Care, but don't care too much. And the thing is, like, listen, have a filter. If someone's being, like, drunk and be like, fuck this beer, ignore that. You just have a filter. Like, everything in life. Like, when someone but talks so shit it, to you, like, who is saying it? But that's easier said than done. So you mentioned the uh, the music and the art side of it. Yeah. And if you're a true artist and somebody says, this sucks, that's not that easy. That's way easier to say on paper than it is to actually deal with in real life that... That person's okay. really kind of talking about you, and it feels like they're talking yeah, about you. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I read literally every single review on Untapped about my beer, especially at Peaches and Cream, because I love that beer, and I'm, like, super proud of it. Like, And I read it, but, like, there was, there was an old... So we have a, a bottle shop in Saigon, yeah, and one of our beers we always have on tap or on bottles is Peaches and Cream. And some guy came in. He took a picture. I swear I was there. I could see where he was sitting, and he wrote, like, the missus bought this and it tastes like it says tastes like like creamy peaches pie i was like 
first hold, of all, hold on, hold on, Chad. Um, you're kind of fucking up my whole format, and I don't appreciate <laughs> that. So we have a segment now in season two called uh, "Let's Read Some Real Reviews." Oh, and so shit. you have taken what you th- remember, and it's the first one on the my list. One. So I'm going to ask you to read it as it's written, All right. so we can make sure we're doing it right. So Sean M said, "This is one of the lowest ratings we've ever gotten." He said. He's drinking a piece of cream by mixed up drinks. He said, IPA with a dollop of peach ice cream. Tastes like the label says, she didn't mind it. I tried it. Which, so you're an artist and you're trying to decide, like, was the thing that I made good enough? And I've been told by other people that it was. But when I go online, obviously the feedback from the community is what's going to drive sales. And, and as a distributor, you know that, right? If you're trying to sell it to retailers, but every untapped check-in is negative... How do you deal with that? I laughed at this one because I mean, this is garbage, in my opinion. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll first that, of all, I, this is the exact thing I was mentioning. Like this guy, I read this and I started laughing because I get a picture of our bottle shop and he started talking about the beers he tried. He tried some of our other beers and he clearly didn't try it because there's no like there is no peaches, there's no cream right. in that beer. And I was like, he clearly didn't try it. I'm like, he maybe so smelled it. Maybe kind of laugh. He's like, and also the sexism in this one. She didn't mind it. Oh, I didn't. It's fine for her, but yeah. obviously I'm very masculine. I'm a masculine. So we launched our beer at a bar, and it was a, kind of a sports bar. And my sales guy went down there, and he's like, he came home, he's like, oh my God. He's like, everybody there was a bunch of meatheads. And they're like, <laughs> he would, do, so he did an experiment. He tried this beer in a plastic glass. And was like, oh my God, the beer is amazing. Oh, it's super hoppy and beautiful. If you show them the bottle, they're like, oh, that's gay. I would never try that. Yes. And like, excuse yeah. me. I'm sorry. As American, like, uh, uh, first of all, there's so many things wrong. Did you just you say said. gay? Like, exactly. <laughs> like, did you just say that? Like, in a negative way? Like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry, guys, but Southeast Asia is a bit behind, especially like old British expats. Yeah. So, this is the, exactly that guy with a dollop of peach ice cream. Like, there um, is no peaches and no ice cream in there, bro. No, is there a dollop of anything? Nah. No. And, like, I'm not offended. I'm just kind of laughing because, like, he clearly didn't try it, you know? Yeah. So, read the next one. Uh, not as sweet as I expected it to be, but good. What does that even mean? So if you're trying to decide nothing. whether and your recipe... no rating. Well, yeah, if your recipe was supposed to be like whatever it was, like, I don't yeah. even, how do you work with that? Keep well, going. We're going to have some fun. All, all I think about that is like, I'm glad it wasn't as sweet as you expected it to be because it's not a sweet <laughs> beer at all. But, so my, my, my sales guy, he's a French kid. Paul is an amazing kid. And he's like, he's like, hey, Chad, every time I go to the bars and every time I just sell, sell this beer... They're distracted by the label and they assume something about it. I was like, cool. It creates conversation. Like, I love it. He's like, well, like this. Not as sweet as I expected it to be. Okay. Cool. Move on. Like, but also, like, are you happy with the beer? And he's like, but good. I'm like, that's what I want to hear. At the end of the day. Did you enjoy it? You know? That's cool. Were you happy? That's it. Exactly. The next one had almost four stars but it's all in russian so what were you trying to i didn't know if you knew <laughs> how to read that i didn't know how to read that and so this is a unique one uh, i've been doing this little segment in my thing for pretty much since the beginning like tearing taking off all the untapped check-ins and i i didn't know if you knew how to read it i've never had a russian one so nope yeah i don't know how to read russian so. okay so that could be great it could be bad try. No. it's a decent amount of stars i think i remember right or whatever but yeah i mean pieces of cream does okay it's like 3.75 on average, I think. So it's up there. It's up there. All it's the okay. best beers in the world are. Like yeah, 3.75 like, is the best you can hope for. Yeah. Nice. On untapped, anyway. I was pretty stoked on that. Yeah. So the next two you have from uh, California Sun. And the funny thing is, like, I agree with him on this 100%. He said, Bottle from Bottle Shop, my good bro's bottle shop in Hanoi. Yeah. Love you, Dan. 
curate listeners, I love you. <laughs> Big supporter. He buys a lot of our beer. Yeah. This is porous, hazy yellow with white head. Honey and yeasty driven nose and mild body from oats. 100% true. If you are looking for a hoppy one, find the other. <laughs> which he's talking about peach and cream. Oh, obviously a fan yeah. of peach and cream. And uh, he's not expecting West Coast style to the name. Need more hops. So, 100% agree. That beer, I wanted more aroma. I'm why a, I'm why do you expect the West Coast style because it has California, California in the name? That's... That's a stupid. It's a juicy pillow. I yeah. mean, like, actually, I agree with them. I I'm disappointed with this batch because, like, I wanted more aroma. The taste is good, but I wanted more pop. You know, I wanted more of that like kicks you in the nose. Yeah. You know, open the bottle. I'm like, I'm a weird brewer. Like, I focus mostly on aroma more than anything else because, like, everything else like is secondary. Because the first thing you're well, obviously, sight. You look at the beer. So yeah. The first thing is color but on draft and particularly it's gonna be a lot of aroma yeah aroma so if you can get the aroma right everything else is secondary yeah so um so anyways and then oh me <laughs> yeah no i didn't yeah i didn't realize that was you until i uh, looked yeah. at it <laughs> i can't quote myself yeah but I, said, I said the same thing needs a I, bit more aroma i thought it was awesome <laughs> that you were not so one of my pet peeves is when people just rate all of their beers on untapped five stars and uh that pisses me not. off i will not and so at least you were like, eh, we can make this better. And so Absolutely. I thought that was cool. So Absolutely. I think I think there's, as an artist, creative person, nothing's ever good enough. <laughs> no, which is unfortunate. But it's yeah. It is. That's why we do what we do. Yeah. Before the late 90s, when you wanted to know what year Napoleon invaded Russia, you'd have to either A, pay attention in class, B, know somebody who knew, or C, Look it up in an encyclopedia. Thankfully, my kids don't have to look in 30 volumes of Britannica to find answers anymore, and neither should you. When you're fermenting beer in a closed tank, you can either use the hydrometer that was invented in 1790, go check it up on Google, or AccuBrew. And AccuBrew is a real-time, web-based measurement system that gives you access to your beer's fermentation metrics from literally anywhere in the world. It measures current gravity, temperature, and even clarity, and compares them to the standards you set for the recipe your team is brewing. If something's off, you'll get a notification immediately. So seriously, go to AccuBrew.com, follow them on socials at AccuBrew, or just call Parker at 727-685-9860. Your beer, your customers, and I will truly thank you. So some guy wants to open a brewery. What's your advice? Understand. I mean, be passionate. And then put yourself in every role you can ever imagine. Like, go and learn it. Like, I'm right now working at Alamo Brewing as an assistant brewer. Like, I'm here in the States. I'm like... I'm going to throw myself into this situation. Like the one thing I've never done is actually work as like an assistant brewer. So like, fuck it, let's do it. Go out there and learn the art, do it. And then decide if you want to do it. Cause I guarantee you, you're going to start your own brewery. You're going to do all the jobs. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what a lot of people don't really get is the mechanics of it. Right. So right. it's super cool to drink your beer in the tasting room up front, but there's a fuck all that goes <sighs> in before that. So much cleaning and water and acids and, caustic and <laughs> yeah a lot of caustic Ugh, and your hands bleed <laughs> yeah so any any mistake that you've made throughout the years that should be on my list that isn't other than hmm. getting stuck and not being able to go back to thailand i've made a lot of mistakes i would say one thing that man there's so many i can't even begin to start it makes me almost tearful <laughs> um but like just be careful about like always have a backup plan I mean, throw yourself in your art, throw yourself into what you're doing and like, give it all. Make sure that you're not doing it in a way where like you are out on a limb. You can't come back. You know, make sure you have something else like, even this, uh, like a, 
a small foothold in the door of your old job. So like if things fell, you can go back to that. Cause like, that's one thing I'm learning really hard right now. It's like when things, when things don't pay, you gotta pay bills. You need to make, or you gotta earn. So like, make sure you have some way of earning money on the side. Even if it's just like, I don't know, selling yourself on the side of the street for dollars. <laughs> Especially in You're this industry. Edit that out. <laughs> yeah. No, there's no way in hell I'm editing that out. All right. So what would you say is the biggest challenge that you overcame? Oh boy. Getting over my own like perfectionism and be like that moment when you say like, stop being afraid of trusting yourself. Like, just do it. You know, like at some point you're going to fail. Like stop worrying about like, for me, it's always like, I've always like, oh, I need a partner. Or I need someone to do it with me or I got to buy into someone else's idea. Just do it. Just yeah. Rip it off. Rip the bandit off and just go yourself. Make it happen. <laughs> Make it happen. So what's the worst beer you've ever tasted? Oh, oh my God. There's so many. <laughs> should I name a real beer or should I name a homebrew? Because homebrew doesn't count because that's not fair. Real beer is more fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk some shit. Ballast Point Grapefruit Sculpin. Really? You don't like it? No, I liked it back in the day when they first released it. It was like when they released all the flavors and like, oh, Sculpin's amazing, which I used to drive from Santa Rosa down to halfway down the coast just to pick up a six pack for $12 of Sculpin because it was so good. It's 15 here. Oh, still? <laughs> shit. When they started releasing all the flavors, that's when shit went down. And also, I really have a hatred of who bought them and how they did the thing. But they're... They don't grapefruit. own them anymore, so it's fine. Oh, yeah. But the Grapefruit Sculpin now is in my opinion terrible it tastes really? like grapefruit syrup squirted in an ipa and it's, i haven't had it in six seven years probably. i mean to be fair it's not really the worst beer but like the worst mass-produced beer well on a big loss right so if you like something and now it's not that that that's yeah that makes me because the sculpin was so good i mean coming from northern california santa rosa russian river pliny blind pig driving six hours just to pick up a six pack of sculpin that says something that's a good beer yeah. the fact that like it became what it became. Sorry, it makes me hate them. <laughs> What's the best beer? Blind Pig. Why is that the best? Because it introduced me hops in such a spectacular way. It tastes so good. And it's it's such a nice balance of hops and malts. It's strangely balanced in the sense that it's almost not balanced. Yep. But it works in a balanced works. way. Yeah, it's, it works so well. There's I mean, no lingering You can drink aftertaste. a pitcher and you can want another pitcher. It's not like... I'm going to move on. You're like, you know what? Let's do another one of those. Yeah, and just keep doing that. And it's but not it's like, full of flavor. It's packed it's in. It's full of flavor. Yeah. It's not something like you're going to forget to. It's not like you're just drinking it to drink. You're going to be like, man, I just want more of that. So that obviously very uh, great lead into my next question, which is how has working in this industry affected your relation to the alcohol? And what I mean by that is that oh, I, I talked, we talked about this <laughs> earlier. There was a period where I had to go uh, 90 days without drinking yeah. earlier this year. And uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it it did. It mattered to me. It was there was a period where I'd overdone it. Like yeah. there's always a reason to drink on a Tuesday. Like I, on a Saturday, you've got to have you know a bar tab going to buy the keg back. Like it's hard to not drink all the fucking time in this industry. Yeah, and I think yeah, balance. Like I started running. That's my big thing. Is like I was like, I think actually McKellar Running Club. I think like shout out to them as much as I don't. Yeah, they do what they do. But, like, I think, like, the idea of, like, craft beer is a, is a thinker's drink. You know what I mean? Like, craft beer is, yeah. Yeah. And so, not, yeah, not mainstream beer. Yeah. So, I think, if you look at craft beer nerds, a lot of them are pretty fit in some ways. You said you disagreed earlier. But, like, I was like, well, but if you look at, like, a lot of the brewers, like Sam Calzone from Dogfish Head, he's fit. Like, because it makes you, like, you're, you're appreciating your drink. So, it makes you start thinking about, like, well, I don't want to just, like, drink to drink. 
So you start thinking about like, how else can I be thinking about what I'm doing? So like when I got into craft beer, like as a business, I realized like, oh my God, I start running or I do something to like balance out the fact that I'm out six nights a week and I'm drinking. So like, no matter what, I wake up at like 7am, I go for a run and like, I like that. And actually I think it's like, I was a big fan of like craft beer drinking. I'm like, Hey, actually it's, it's a positive. I was at Jester King and did the, the trial run. Oh yeah. Mil- uh, McKellar. We, I've done the McKellar running club forever. Um, mixtape. We do our run club, Sunday run club every Sunday before or once a month. Sundays before all this nonsense, but yeah, yeah, like I think it's like it's balance, you know? So now nah, it's, it, and that's the way to do it. It's very easy to get out of balance. You have to be it, very careful about is, that. But is. so focus, like get out there, run, lift weights. I don't know, do whatever you love doing, but like, and then enjoy a beer afterwards, you know, like make sure you make time for that first and then enjoy the beer. So do you still love beer off the clock? Like when you get home from work, do you still pour something and sit there and savor it and sip it? And like, in, like, does it give you the passion it did before you got in the industry? Yes and no. I don't. I have soda water on tap. I have two taps in my house. Yeah. I have a freezer, uh, fridge, draft fridge, and two taps. Both are soda water. Like, not alcoholic, just bubble yeah. water. I don't drink at home, generally. Um, so I smoke weed now. <laughs> Take an edible. Like, I get home and I'm like, man, I want to relax. I'm like, I don't want a beer. <laughs> um, but I still have appreciation. I still love it as much as I ever have. Actually, more. Actually, I like it better now. Like, I like it because, like, it brings me together with people like you and, like, it's fun and, I love it. No, it's great. But I don't, I don't, it's, it's less mindless, you know, like every day, every time I take a sip of a beer, it's more mindful. It's yeah. Cool. Well, it's part of your job and you can't like, like totally can't divorce yourself from that. 100%. Yeah. So if I'm having beer at home, it's like, it's something awesome. Like this beer that we drank earlier. I'm like, fuck, I want to like, I want to enjoy that. I'm going to sip it by the pool or I'm going to sip it at home and watch a movie, you know? What was a good beer? Appreciate good. you bringing that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to ask you one more question and I'm going to leave you. Who do you think is more of an asshole, me or you? <laughs> um, I never thought of myself as an asshole, but I don't think you're an asshole either. So I'm confused by that question. <laughs> Stalemate. <laughs> Stalemate. Stalemate. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, I really thank you for hanging out with my audience and I. And obviously you have uh, given an immense amount of valuable information and I appreciate it. Uh, I, Terrible I took, information. I, Don't listen to anything I said. <laughs> I kept you way longer than you thought you were going to, and I appreciate that as well. I wish you the best on your drive home. Thank you for spending yeah. time with us. And uh, Cheers, man. Have a good night. That's fun. So you're not getting out of here without at least a thanks from me for sticking around. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out my others. I feel confident that my guests and I have something very special to share with you. Also, remember that the book that inspired this podcast is now available on Amazon in Kindle and good old-fashioned paperback. I can't encourage you enough to pick up a copy, but I am happy to try. If you're feeling generous, you can support the podcast in a couple of ways. Please give your time, attention, and money to the sponsors of the show, and you can also sponsor the show directly with a link in the show notes. Positive reviews are also a great way to digitally high-five my guests and I, and while I may be the raucous host, these people have bared their souls for you, and I can't thank them enough for their honesty and desire to selflessly help improve your career. I want you to know that you are meant for more than mediocrity, and that no one ever achieves greatness without a stumble or two. But most importantly, always remember, mistakes are just weakness leaving your business. Free play. Media. Media.